0: Thanks for joining us on the Crenshaw Christian Center New York podcast. And remember these words faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Let's jump into the lesson.
1: Tonight, we're going to go back to and continue our series with the title, The Mind, The Arena of Faith. And it's based upon a book written by our very own apostle, Frederick Casey Price. Now, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time in review, simply because I have a lot of really interesting stuff to talk about tonight. And some of it is really almost a little racy. So, I'm glad we don't have children here. Um, And I'm smiling, not because it's racy. I'm smiling because I've been trying to figure out tactful ways to discuss some of this stuff. Because the apostle, as you know, is very clear and I mean, he gets really clear. <laughs> and I mean, some of those things, it's, I'm, you know, it's different. He's a male, he's a man, so he's gonna do things a certain way. And I'm a lady, and mm, <laughs> I have to alter it in quite a few ways. So he's given me a lot of interesting things to discuss. It's, it's, it's gonna be fun. But anyway, to bring us back in remembrance to where we left off last time. Um, we've been talking through this whole series about our armor, the armor of God, which we've established is what? The word of God, our knowledge of it. We talked about how it is so important that when we are speaking the word, that we are speaking the actual word, not our version or our rendition of it, especially when you are dealing with the enemy. Because keep in mind, you know, he knows when you're... It's sort of like if you are... Years ago, (laughs) I'm really dating myself now, but years ago they used to talk about selling wolf tickets, you know, where people would sit up and talk about all this stuff they're gonna do and say, but they couldn't back it up. So it was really just like, you're just saying a bunch of stuff. Well, Christians sometimes do that when it comes to the enemy as well. They sit up and they're repeating something. They may have heard somebody else say, and they they thought it sounded good, so they figured they'll try it out. And then when it's not effective and it's not working, it's because they really don't know what the other person was talking about themselves. So therefore, it's the same thing as a wolf ticket, because they're just spouting out something, but they can't stand upon it. So that's why it's so important for us to know the word for ourselves so that we can stand flat-footed up against the enemy and remind him of who we are and continuously let him know that it is written and forever remains written, as the Amplified puts it, and I like it, um, so that we can speak the word and that's what really is what gets him and stops him in his tracks. So we talked about that. And <clears throat> I had spent some time when we had done the prayer series to remind you of even when you're praying, don't just pray your words. Your words are nice and sweet and cute, but it doesn't say any where in scripture that your words won't return unto the father void. It says that his word will not. So that's another reason why it's so important for us to put on our armor even in the throne room so that when we are praying, we're praying the word so that we know that we can be assured we're going to be answered because he promised that his word would not return unto him void. Amen? Okay, so the other thing that we went over, which is wonderful, is that Satan can quote scripture he can quote verses and we talked about that but the thing that's so interesting with him is that he has no spiritual perception of what he's saying and I was trying to think of a better example to share with that I remember back this is really back a long time ago when I was in high school I went to Chicago as a finalist in a speech tournament and i would never been to a speech tournament before this was something i got into (laughs) so i have a very interesting story i wanted to get out of high school early i didn't want to sit there for four years i just kind of felt it was boring so i decided that i was going to double up and take my junior and senior year together well the first semester i was not born again i didn't know that but still I was not born again, I was attacked with mononucleosis. So I missed a whole entire semester of school, which meant the principal called me in the office to tell me there is no way that you're gonna graduate because you've already missed a whole semester out and you're trying to put two years together. It cannot be done. Now, here's the interesting thing. Even though I didn't know I wasn't born again, I still believed God, trusted God, and still had faith in God, and I told the principal, don't you dare tell me what cannot be done. Tell me what I need, and I will surpass it. Now, that was not a wolf ticket. I meant that. But meant that I had to take a whole lot of extra courses. I even had to take correspondence courses. And at the time, you needed to have 18 credits to graduate. I graduated with honors with 21. Because the point is, I was still trusting God. But one of the electives that I had to take was speech. And I'm like, OK, <laughs> I'll just do this, whatever they tell me I have to do. Let me hurry up and get the elective over with and do it. But what I didn't realize was, it ends up being pretty good. Just based upon different things that you do, you know how you do those little Easter, well, years ago, in a Baptist church, (laughs) they used to give you those little Easter pieces that you used to do, and because of so many things I did in church, I didn't think it was any big deal, and I liked to talk, so it kind of (laughs) worked. So I ended up going to the Nationals within a two week period of time for my school. Now, at the time, I was going to Long Island Lutheran High School. So my coach decided, we're a Christian school. You should do Christian stuff when we go. And he gave me three chapters in 1 John. Now, I already told you guys, and you've heard me many, many times talk about the Baptist church I went to where the pastor took the Bible and stuck it underneath. First John, first of all, I did well to find First John, to be very honest. Then he gives me these three chapters and I had no perception about what I was saying. I read them beautifully. Oh yes, sounded great. I did not know what in the world I was talking about. And when it came to the national championship, it sounded like I did not know what I was talking about. The other piece that I had, which is a beautiful poem, if you just ever want to read something gorgeous, is by Carolyn M. Rogers and it's called For Our Fathers. It's a poem, I had the judges in tears because I understood it and I could bring them to the point of feeling what was in that poem. But when it came to First John, it was like I, was re- I might as well have been reading Mandarin because I had no perception of what I was saying. So here is the point the enemy can turn around and he can quote any verse of scripture to you just like I could stand in that national speech tournament and sound fantastic but I couldn't bring it to life because I had no idea what I was talking about he has no idea and that's the thing that's so interesting to me he is so dumb that if he had any clue he would just stop because he's truly lost but he doesn't know it yet but we do so we're really very silly since we We know that to allow him to keep attacking us doing things to us and we just sit there and take it that is a foolish behavior and I know none of us are that's why we're here so but keep that in mind he has no spiritual perception to any of the Word of God he really another way I'd like to say it is he's completely delusional he really really doesn't know he's playing a great part and he is clever and he is cunning and he is sly but we are the ones who have authority over all of his ability but you're not going to know that if you don't put on your armor and know exactly what the word of God says in that so that's very important now turn with me to Luke's gospel the fourth chapter and we're going to read the 12th verse and this is a perfect example of (laughs) where the devil has no idea of the significance of the word. I mean, he just has no clue. Luke 4, verse 12. When we look at it in the Amplified Classic Edition, Jesus is talking directly to the enemy, and he replied to him, the scripture says, you shall not tempt, try, test exceedingly the Lord your God. If you look at it in the Living Bible, Jesus replied to him saying, the scripture also says, do not put the Lord your God to a foolish test. And lastly, the message says, yes, said Jesus. And it's also written, don't you dare tempt the Lord your God. So the point being is, It's sort of like he was selling a wolf ticket, based upon the example I gave you earlier, to Jesus. And that is exactly how Jesus answered him. But the other thing that's very important for us as Christians to remember is know that the enemy is going to come back again. Do not think that just because you go through one battle victoriously with him, it's all said and done and you're through. Don't, don't you become delusional. Know that he is always on his job and he has a whole bunch of little demons and cohorts to work right along with him to try to keep attacking you and buffeting you. That is his job. But you always win if you never quit and you keep your armor on and that is what's so important. Now turn to John's gospel, the eighth chapter and this is exactly where we left off. John's Gospel the 8th chapter and we're going to look at verses 31 and 32. Because here Jesus makes a very powerful statement. And the thing that we must remember here is that knowledge and its proper use wins battles. So if we look at John's Gospel the 8th chapter verses 31 and 32 The Amplified Classic Edition says, So Jesus said to those Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, here's the qualifier, hold fast to my teachings and live in accordance with them, you are my true disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The Living Bible says, then many of the Jewish leaders who heard him say these things began believing him to be the Messiah. Jesus said to them, you are truly my disciples if you live as I tell you to. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And the message says, then Jesus turned to the Jews who had claimed to believe in him. If you stick with this, living out what I tell you, you are my disciples for sure. Then you will experience for yourselves the truth and the truth will of course, do what? Free you. It sets you free. The point being, though, is, and this is always what's so key, we have to know. Like, if I were to ask you your name based on Everything that you know, that's your name. That's what your parents told you. Nobody's going to trip you up. And if I say, what is your name? And you tell me your name is Mary. And then, you know, you've lived for umpty ump years as Mary. I can't come to you and tell you, no, your name's not Mary. It's really Nancy. No, it's Mary. Okay? I mean, you know that. Well, that's how certain you need to be when it comes to the promises of God. And I'm sure you can agree with the fact That we are currently living in the earth realm where we have so much stimulus all around us all the time that is constantly trying to keep us from having time. Time is not something. The last five minutes that we had here, I don't care how much money you have, I don't care your status in life, you can't get that five minutes back. And the enemy has created all types of things. to try, Even phones, now I will admit, I use my phone. My phone is a computer in my hand, and I understand that. But I have to go ahead and put my phone down. I have over 100 apps on my phone. It, could, they, it does all kinds of stuff, okay? However, I have to be the one that disciplines myself to say, okay, I can't do that now, and put it down. Because if it, it's, it's just another little simple thing. Do you know how many people, I mean, I see them even in Manhattan when I come in and I get off the train. They are walking down the street playing Candy Crush. I'm like, really? You're crossing the Street. There are still cars coming, but you're trying to play Candy Crush. Is it really that serious? If we don't, if we don't catch ourselves, you get caught up in everything. You can check your email now. You don't have to go to the computer. You can just look on your phone. You can send mail. You can make you can do everything just about on these smartphones, and it's good if it's used correctly. But we have to understand it's just another one of those things that can distract us and keep us from taking the time to say, you know what, I'm just gonna spend time with you, Father. I'm not gonna do anything. Even if, I bet you, if you really stopped and think about it, if you could take 30 minutes, now that's not a lot of time, 30 minutes a day, and sit down somewhere, shut off everything, shut off everything and everyone. Tell them this is my 30 minutes. I don't care if you have to go in the bathroom because most people usually don't bother you there. And you sit there just to spend time with the Father and hear what he wants to say to you and what you want to say to him. Just that time. And not say something like how much, you know, stop asking him. Seek his face. Just spend time with fellowship. You know, you would be amazed at the difference in your life and the difference in how you would be as a person, how powerful you would be with your armor on if you just did that. So I challenge you to do that, okay? And you know, if you, if you want, I mean, I don't think a half an hour is a lot you know because there's seven days a week so if we do the math real quick that's not really a whole lot i mean we're only talking about what three and a half hours out of 168 hours in a week that's not a long time but i I really challenge you that you may have a set schedule. See, what I ask you to do is different. I'm not saying that that takes away from you reading the word or your morning devotions, all that you should be doing anyway, and I think that's wonderful. But I'm talking about just a half an hour where you don't have something scheduled, where it's just you seeking his face. Try that. Just, just, just take a week and try it. And then I really do believe you will see a big, tremendous difference, a tremendous, tremendous difference. Okay, so, if, and this, is, this becomes the really interesting question. Since we have the word of God, and we just read how it's supposed to completely make us free, why is it that there's so many believers who are not free? I mean, truly free. There are people who have fear, they don't want to call it fear because you know And this is the other thing one thing I will say about a lot of believers is sometimes we can be somewhat delusional with ourselves because we don't want to be authentic we know that fear is not a good word so we'll say oh no I don't have fear you know just like I'm just gonna be real you know how you walk up to somebody and you say hi how are you and they won't dare say oh I'm fine oh, I'm blessed, I'm blessed in the city, blessed in the field. I, you know, all, they give you this long montage of all of this. That's nice. I just wanted to say hi, okay? But the point is, that's nice that you're doing it because some people do it because they're faking it till they make it, meaning they're saying all that because they're trying to believe it, so I'm not knocking them for it. But sometimes they may have a real fear but they don't want to call it that because they know it's false evidence appearing real, we all know that, but they still, you've still got to get to a point where you're honest with yourself. So if you have a fear of going on the cruise that everybody wants to go on in August because there's so much water and I don't know if I'm going to be around all that water, that's just too long for me to be around all that water, you don't have to come tell all of us that, but be honest with yourself and admit that, okay? There are some people who have a true fear of going for that promotion on their job because they have been told so much by supervisors, by friends, even by family that you're not cut out for that. You just stay where you are. It's it's good that they're keeping you where you are. You just stay there. Why go out for that? Why why go and stress yourself for that? You know you're not going to get it. They fear it, but they don't want to say that because fear is not the word that we should use. Be authentic with yourself and get before the Father. He knows you're not, he created you. He knows every thought that's going through your mind before you even formulate it to say it. So the point of the matter is be honest with yourself so that you can go and get the help from him that you need so you can strengthen yourself and get over some of this false evidence appearing real or this fear that's how you are set free not by fronting and thinking that you know oh i'm not going to say that i'm not if it's how you feel it's how you feel be authentic about it because that's the only way you can correct it i mean could you agree with that okay well i really i really think we need to do that because we're at a point in time where we can no longer keep playing at this we got to get serious about it, because whether we want to admit it or not, there's a whole lot of stuff going on around us that is very serious. And if we are not fully clad in our armor, and we are not able to take the authority that God has given us, we are putting ourselves in a position not to win. And that's not what God did. He already did everything for us to win. But we've got to make sure we're in the position to do just that. Now, another thing, and this is very real, is that there are a lot of people and a lot of Christians who are in fact fighting depression. Now depression is real. Depression is just as real as when you're attacked with a stomach challenge or if somebody attacks your body and you're having a hard time walking or somebody attacks you and you have the flu. Okay? Those are real attacks. We, we recognize that. We don't sit up and judge somebody and talk about them like dogs if that happens to them. But allow somebody to deal with depression and oh my goodness, do, and, and this is Christian and non-Christian but you would just think Christians, we have the love of Jesus so we should be more compassionate really. But they judge that. Meaning it's like oh my goodness. But it's a real thing. And the point is If that happens, somewhere in the translation, you are not able to totally receive the word and the truth of the word. You're missing something. You know how, and I refer to cooking a lot, maybe because I like to cook, but you know how you can make a fantastic pound cake I like pound cake (laughs) you can make a fantastic pound cake you can go ahead and beat up the whole pound of butter and all the rest of that but you forgot to put in the flavoring so you put in the sugar you put in everything but you didn't put in the vanilla you didn't put in the orange or the lemon or anything and you sit there and you cut the cake now it's not horrible I mean it is cake you can eat it but you know it needed that extra Well, what I submit to you is sometimes if someone is going through something, whether it's fear of going on the cruise, or fear of flying an airplane, or fear of anything, or if they're dealing with depression, they're missing something. It doesn't mean that they're not hungering after the word. It doesn't mean that they're not striving after it. It just means that they missed something. Something was left out. And for us, if we know that, what is our job? To intercede and to, if there's something we can share, fine, but here's the other thing. We have to be careful as to whether or not we're going to share it. Some things don't, some things you just need to just pray. You don't need to share, because sometimes you might not know the whole, everybody has a story to tell, and we don't always know the whole thing. So sometimes just be still and just intercede. God can use you great and mighty in that way. So, (laughs) from a biblical perspective, you would think to know something is to do something. You know, like if you know how to do it, you're supposed to do it, right? I mean, that just makes common sense. However, Why is it that if we really understand and know the love of God, we don't share it with everyone? Why is that? Why is it that we know that God is love, we can recite that to you, we know that, but yet and still when it comes to reacting with one another or with other people, sometimes we we miss it, you know, we're just not getting it. And we have to be very, very careful about that because that even goes to our PR as Christians. Why would anybody want to join our club of being a believer if we're so <laughs> not nice? Okay, I mean, why should they? I mean, they're already having a hard enough time in the world with the enemy beating them all upside the head. Why would they want to become a Christian if we're so nice, not nice? I mean that quite sarcastically. So we have to work on that. God always wants us to be free, period. He definitely, definitely wants us to be that way. And the The true armor of God is truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, and of course, the Word of God. And I cannot re emphasize enough the fact that our armor is simply what we know about these things. The depth, the height, the length, and the width of what we know in the Word of God will determine the depth, the height, the length and the width of our freedom. One goes hand in hand. Little Bible knowledge equals what? Little freedom. Little Bible knowledge equals little victory. So you can come to every single Bible study and we love to have you here, it's wonderful because we believe that you're growing, and that's a good thing. You can come to every worship service, You can do all that. But if you do not take the time to open up the word of God and find out what is in it for you, your victories are going to be far and few between. And it's not because God loves you any less or that he has not provided for you. It's because you don't know his word. So you cannot fully put on the armor to stand against enemy and that's on you so a lot of times you know people will even come for counseling and things and you listen because you can always locate somebody by their conversation and you can find out that sometimes the struggles and challenges that believers are going through is just their lack of knowledge of the word and they just don't know so you know of course we have to share and, and pray so that they can have the opportunity to know so we know that What our armor really is, the obvious, once we know what our armor really is, which we know the word of God is, the question then arises, what are we to use our Bible knowledge against? I mean, it's real nice, we can know all of this, but what are we supposed to use it against? Now, we already know that Satan is the enemy. We've already established that for weeks. But how does he come against us? We'd like (laughs) to know so that we can have our armor on and defend ourselves, okay? And I gave you the example once before, if we're headed uptown and he's behind us downtown, We need to know that. We need to know where he is, if at all possible, so that we can properly defend ourselves. We don't want to, you know, have him behind us or chasing us and and we have no clue what's going on. Now, according to the Apostle Paul, he made it very clear how we are to use our armor against three specific things. Now, before we go into those, and I mentioned to you before that I would like to emphasize and re-emphasize, because we've gone over this twice, and you guys are so good, I know you already remember it, four specific principles. Does everybody remember what they are? The first one is thoughts always precede, okay, now you knew it before, you could tell I was gone for two weeks, okay. Thoughts always precede actions, that's the first one. The second one is knowledge And its proper use does what? It wins battles. Okay, good. It's coming back. Third one is ignorance and victory are impossible. Remains. See, there you go. And the fourth one is that faith and unbelief cannot occupy the same space. Now, the reason that is so key is because in order for you to really be able to walk in your full armor, which is the word of God, you've got to believe it. Because if you don't believe it, you can't have faith for it. So if you can't have faith for it, then it's not going to work either. Because what? The just shall live by Okay, so we know that we have to have that. So knowledge about the word of God is all that stands between us and our enemy. But if all we do is know something, that's not going to do us any good. I mean, back to my pound cake analogy. I can know that it's supposed to have a pound of butter. I can know it's supposed to go in it. But if I don't put it together, it's not going to produce a cake. I mean, I can have the ingredients sit out on the counter all day long. But until I work it into what it needs to be worked into to become a cake, it won't be. And that's the other big critical thing for us as believers. Jesus said that if we continue in his word, that we would know the truth and the truth would make us free. But this is what's so, so important. There's something wrong with the picture because it would mean that every Christian who has a Bible ought to be free. And we talked about this a little bit before, but however, we know that all Christians are not free. They have a Bible, they have the truth, so why aren't they free? Well, it's not just knowing the Bible intellectually. And this is another little thing that a lot of believers, believe it or not, do. They can quote scripture. They can give you all of these intellectual reasons as to why this is this and that is that. But if they do not believe it in their heart if it has not pierced their spirit you know what it's not going to do them any good either because we already know that the currency of the kingdom is faith and faith is not an intellectual situation it is based upon our heart and it is based upon what we believe. So it is so important because so many times you will have people who know the word. They're born again, spirit-filled, know the word, but they're not applying it because they're just looking at it intellectually. This is not an intellectual journey that we're supposed to be on. It is a spiritual journey and we must, must understand that. Now Paul tells us that the three things that our armor can protect us against, and you can write these three down, and then I'll prove to you where the three are. The first thing he says it can protect us against is the wiles of the devil. That's number one. The second thing is the evil day. And the third thing are the fiery darts. Okay, so I'll repeat that. The first thing is the wiles of the devil. The second thing, excuse me, is the evil day. And the third are the fiery darts. Now I want you to do me a favor and turn with me to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. (coughs) Excuse me. Ephesians 6. And we're going to look at verse 11. And we're going to deal with the first one. Ephesians 6, 11. Are you there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sharing it with you out of the Living Bible, it says, Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand safe against all strategies and tricks of Satan. The Amplified, which you know I like because of the qualifiers, it says it this way. Put on the full armor of God, here's the qualifier, for his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavily armed soldier. That's why we need that. So that you may be able to, qualifier, successfully stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. Now, the message puts it this way, and that about wraps it up. God is strong, and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. To me, that makes it perfectly clear. Now, while you're still right there in Ephesians 6, just drop down to the 13th verse, and now we're going to deal with the second point. The second point being the evil day. So if we look at it, I'm going to share it again out of the Living Bible. Ephesians 6.13 says, So use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy whenever he attacks. And when it is all over, you will still be standing up. The Amplified says, therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to, the the qualifier we read before, successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day. Qualifier of the evil day is of danger. And having done everything that the crisis demands, to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable and victorious. That's why I like the Amplified, because stand firm means to be in your place, fully prepared, immovable, and victorious. That's what that means. Now, if we look at it in the message, it says, be prepared, you're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. So now let's drop down to the 16th verse in the same chapter and we're going to deal with the fiery darts. So Ephesians 6, 16, and the Living Bible says, in every battle, you will need faith as your shield to stop the fiery arrows aimed at you by Satan. The Amplified says, above all, lift up the protective shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And the message says, be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long, pray for your brothers and sisters, keep your eyes open, keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. Now here is the thing, you can also, we also know, well, I shouldn't say we also know, that's not good. Turn with me to John's Gospel, the 10th chapter, and let's look at the 10th verse. Now one thing I do want to say, I want to remind you that whenever in Scripture it talks about the shield of faith, sometimes because we look at things on TV, we kind of think of this little shield, you know, that people hold up, you know, like in the comic book things, it's this little tiny shield that, you know, holds up in front of you like this. When they're talking about the armor that's used in Scripture, the shield was about this high. You, you, a few of us, could hunker down behind that shield. So this way when the fiery darts were coming we had something to hunker down behind. Wasn't this cute little tiny Captain America shield that we see? It was a big massive thing to protect you. So that's just something to keep in mind so that you know you're putting it all in the proper perspective. Now if we look at John 10.10 everybody pretty much knows this. We repeat it all the time. And it says in the Living Bible the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. The Amplified says the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. I like that. And then the message says Jesus told this simple story but they had no idea what he was talking about so he tried again. I'll be explicit then he said. I am the gate for the sheep. All those others are up to no good. Sheep stealers. Every one of them. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Anyone who goes through me will be cared for, will freely go in and out and find pasture. A thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Now that's exactly what I'm talking about. So the whole thing here, though, is, you've heard me say this before, but I'm going to give you a different way to look at it tonight. The enemy comes to steal any word that's in you because if he can steal any word that's in you, and we have to remember that too with our visitors who come to service on a Sunday. They're sitting there, it may be the only word they've heard in a very long time. We have to be sensitive so that we are especially sweet and kind, so that we don't give place to the enemy to steal that word and pluck it away from them. Because yes, he is trying to steal the word because if he can do that, If he can steal it, then what does he do? That's how he can affect your faith. Because if you don't have the word, it's very, very hard for you to be able to have any kind of faith. He kills your faith if you don't have the word. And then after that, he sets you up to be able to destroy you. Because if you don't have the word, you have what? You have no armor. You have nothing to protect yourself against. And that's exactly how he can destroy you and wipe you out. So therefore, we need to be sensitive about that. But I want to show it to you in a different way. I want you to look at it this way. Let's break down some things that can happen when the word is actually stolen from a person. Because when we think about killing, stealing, and destroying, if you don't think about it the way I just explained it, you usually think about it like, well, somebody got shot, okay, or somebody came and used a knife and knifed them, or if it's a different country, they used a bomb and just blew the whole thing up. We tend to look at it that way. But what about if the enemy can steal your peace that's something very interesting because you know there are a lot of people who are afraid to even walk around because of all the different things that you hear on the news and hear everything you know have, hear here everywhere they're actually really afraid and i mean christians who are afraid there are some who won't come to bible study at night because they don't want to be out at night because, you know, like somebody can't do something to them in the middle of the day. Let me tell you, Satan can get you any time if he chooses to, if you give him that opportunity. But there are people who live in that type of fear. The point that I'm making to you is, if he can steal your peace, he's gotten something from you. Okay? That's a very real thing. He can also, and there are a lot of people who have very low self-esteem. They... I mean, it breaks my heart. There are Christian women who are abused by their husbands because their esteem is so low. They feel like, I just have to put up with that. I just have to take that. that. The enemy has given them that thought process, and they bought it, hook, line, and sinker. So don't you think he's stolen something from them if this is how they feel? Okay? There are some people who are actually paralyzed to move forward in their life. They will just accept whatever station of life they're in and won't even dare move forward because they're just trying to keep things just the way they are. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to rattle anything. That doesn't sound like freedom to me. That's not what we just read when it said that he came that we would have life better than we ever dreamed of. That's not what that is. But there are many people who are dealing with that. There are people who have such negative thoughts originate in their mind that they actually will commit suicide. There was a gentleman, 35 years old, married with three children, had, um, well, if you ever see commercials, I don't know if they always show the same commercials in the city, but I think they do. He has an aquarium out in Riverhead, Long Island, where they do um, all these weddings and people do school trips. It's a huge, huge aquarium. Very successful business. Well... He went through what a lot of business owners went through during what the world called a recession time that they claim ended, which (laughs) it depends. If you want to participate, it's still out there. But the point being is, he went through a little money challenge. He literally killed himself. Never thought about the fact that the challenge could be resolved, so he ended up at 35 years old, leaving his wife and three little kids all because it just seemed like it was so hard for him at that time. The point that I'm making to you is your whole entire life can be destroyed just from him stealing the peace that's in your mind. Relationships are, are destroyed, killed, stolen by the enemy. Do you think the divorce rate is getting any better nowadays? And I'm even ta- I'm talking about Christians. I'm not even talking about the world. There are Christians who are getting divorced like it is the thing to do. Do you think that's what God planned? Do you think that's what he wanted? Okay, no. But it does all originate where? In the mind. It all has to do with us believing what it is that he's putting in our mind, and he's stealing things from us. The mind is a powerful thing. (laughs) But we can take comfort in knowing that Bible knowledge, if it's used properly, there is no wile of the enemy, evil day or fiery dark, that can successfully assail us and have victory over us. But we are the ones that have to know that. Because of negative thoughts, marriages are wrecked, parent-child relationships are totally destroyed, all because of -of out-of-control minds, minds that are not governed and guided by the Holy Spirit. Teenage suicide right now is at an all-time high. If children or young people, because teenagers are not really children, but they're at a very 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 awkward stage where they're no longer little babies or children but they also don't have the same faculties of a fully matured adult and they are trying to figure things out and if you look at all the foolishness that is put before them on the internet on television all around them everywhere it was hard enough being a teenager back in the 60s when we looked at Ozzie and Harriet nice cute little shows With all of this stuff you turn on TV TV is something else, <laughs> okay? I mean, it, people don't even know what to believe, what their sexuality is, they're confused, they don't know, then I learned there's something called pansexual. I mean, I thought I was really up with everything and I was cool, and I was like, okay, I understand bisexual. oh, some of y'all don't know either. Okay, let me tell you. <laughs> pansexual is when you will have sex with anything, because you know, now we've got everything. So. I mean, that's what pansexual is. And there are people who are claiming that young people. So can you imagine a teenager who's just getting a little excited, you know, with certain things? Think about it. You know, boys who all of a sudden start getting a little excited and they have those little famous dreams that they have, but then they're trying to figure out, okay, is it good that I really kind of am attracted to girls or maybe I'm not supposed to be. Maybe I'm supposed to be attracted to boys or maybe I'm really not. Maybe I'm really not a guy. I mean, they are so confused. And then they get on the internet and they have people who are even fake on the internet who who aren't even real who are feeding their spirits with all kinds of other foolishness so is it unusual to think that they're stressed and they're put in a position where if someone is not giving them the truth they are nowhere near being set free and this is how many of them end up ending their lives and a lot of them again are Christian children and we have got to do something about that now I'm not gonna have time to get into the real interesting part that I spoke to you about, so you gotta come back next week because we know that God created the birds and they just do things instinctively, okay? Just like you know that. The birds, when it gets cold up here, where do they go? They all fly south because they wanna be where it's warm. They don't wanna sit up here and deal with the snow and all the other stuff. So they instinctively go there. It's just an instinct. They don't have any brain to figure it out. They just do it, okay? Well, people also have instincts, okay? Men instinctively would like to have sex a lot, okay? Some of them, think about it almost 24-7, okay? They have all kinds of visions because they're visual creatures, and I'm not knocking them for that. That's their instinct, but here is the good news. They do have minds and they have to control the thoughts that are in their minds so that they can operate as men of God. That is a process. That is something that they must work on. Now, they're not by themselves, okay, because women, you know, they used to say years ago, all men are dogs. I don't like that expression. I have two sons, I have a husband, they're not dogs. But the reason they say that is because the instinct of that man is to, you know, kind of want to just go on and do everything a lot. However, females, (laughs) they also have some issues, okay? You will see little girls who from the time they can barely think about, you know, dressing up in little high heels and putting makeup on, switching all around, doing stuff, what are they doing it for? They're not doing it for their health, they're doing it because they're trying to attract the other little boys who then become men so women we don't get off easy either okay the point is we have to learn how to control those things and the very interesting thing is that God did not make us creatures where he controlled us he gave us all free will and he gave us all minds to be able to control and conduct ourselves but he did give us a rule book to help us with that and I have to quit Because I'm out of time. But uh, we're going to have some fun with this next week. Anyway, every head bow.
0: Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media. Or you can give us a call at 212 749